Yes, well, good morning, everyone. So, good. My name is Pastor Richard, and I am the senior pastor of this church at the moment. And uh, I'm. <laughs> if if you're here this morning, I'm sorry because you know um, I have had a terrible week, and all sorts of things have happened to me. And so I've been wondering whether I should be here at all. And so I'm going to apologise in advance for what might happen because I don't know <laughs> what's going to. Happen. So I've got a sermon to preach, and I think I have. But I'm going to be preaching it to me, and you get to listen, right? And so last week, remember, um, I so we have had the best church start of the year in any church I've ever been in my entire life. We've got new elders, we've got deacons for the first time, and deaconesses. You know, we've got a, um, an administrator to do administration, which I don't know what it is. Administration, what is that? I mean, I was doing that, but I don't know what I was doing. Anyway, so we've got one of those, and uh, then we're going to have a youth worker coming up. Isn't that fantastic? That's great. And then I was uh, a chaplain in a, in a, a, private, um, a primary school, and uh, w- there what was happening was um, I was uh, working with kids and hoping to work with their families and trying to get them into youth group and trying to get their families into this church so they can meet Jesus, and that was great. And then suddenly everything changed. So first of all, that door slammed shut. And so the money that was uh, allocated for Scripture Union has now gone to a well-being worker, and so that slammed shut. Also then... Um, I have had family problems. So what's happened is I have a, 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 a child, I call him a child, who's an adult and, uh, and his wife. And what's happened there is um, they've had a disagreement and uh, things have worked out and now I am terrible. So they've called me all this sort of stuff and so I'm a terrible person and they never want to talk to me again. Great! <laughs> That's awesome. And uh, so what else? Um, I, oh, yes, I got a... Um, a, a really bad letter from um, another, uh, you know, the parent of the in-law, and uh, that was really attacking me and talking about how terrible I am and what I should be doing because I probably don't know. See? So here I am today, just, you know, sort of a bit shell-shocked, um, feeling terrible, and uh, and then saying, oh, yeah, let's go and preach a sermon. And then, um, you know, God has brought us to this place here now where the message and the Lord's Supper is ready to go. And the message is so, you know, poignant that, you know, if God wasn't organising this, you know, I don't know what, you know, how this could ever happen. And so what I'm doing is I'm going to preach you a sermon that I'm going to be preaching to myself and I don't know how it's going to go because I'm upset and I'm sad and, and I, it's just, I really thought perhaps I should ring up Sean and say, Sean, you do the sermon this morning because I'm not qualified. I'm not capable. And so what I did was I went for a prayer walk like I normally do and, uh, and, and I was thinking, you know, God has this in hand. I know he does. See? And so what I did was um, I started to hear Satan's words. Yes, you are a bad person. Yes, you shouldn't even be, um, you know, a minister or a Christian or, a, you know, you're terrible. And so I said, that's true. You know, you know when you're in a relationship with God, what you do is you repent. You know, so you say, I'm a sinner. And so I was going through the list. And I, I saw my heart there, my heart. It was, it's terrible. <laughs> it's, I'm going, yes, pride, lust, greed, and all these other things that these people have said I am. And I thought, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty terrible. I don't think I should preach to them. And so I was condemning my heart, saying, this is terrible. And then you know what God did? Suddenly, <laughs> the heart changed. It was a new one. And, and then he said, 
go ahead and condemn that one. And I looked at it and I thought, there's nothing wrong with that, huh? There's nothing wrong there. There's nothing to condemn. And he said, well, that's your heart. (laughs) This is why you're a Christian, because you have a new heart. So why are you condemning yourself when I don't even condemn you? And then I said, okay, (laughs) I'll, uh, I'll come and preach today because, you know, like I normally do, I don't rely on my own ability because I know that I could never do this unless God wasn't working through me. And today I feel more empowered by God than ever. Isn't that amazing? Okay, it's not. <laughs> Sorry, no. Sorry, I I thought it was amazing because it's you know it's it's really affected my life and Leslie's life and the family's life and everybody's life because it's such a tragic thing. I think the worst thing you can have is a family uh, problem like this. It it hits a part of your heart that you didn't know you had and you didn't know would hurt so much. And so I'm going to be hurting for the rest of my life unless there is reconciliation with this person. And I don't know whether anyone knows what that feels like, but it's pretty horrible, and we have to live with it. And I'm, I'm not allowed to say that, you know, I've got it worse than because I know there are other people that have got it worse than me, and, you know, I've had all that too. People have said, you know, don't, I don't have a right to be too upset because, you know, there are other people that have had worse things. Okay, but in my situation, this is what's happening. But what um, we need to see is that um, how we live today is really, uh, you know, the, the power of God at work. And so what we've been doing is we've been going through 1 Thessalonians and that is a pathway of discipleship. So Paul in this situation, he's, um, you know, he was with Silas, he was in a, um, you know, a hostile town, he was planting a church and he had Christians who were joining the church there and he discipled them. And so 1 Thessalonians is like a, a recap of the discipling that he had done when he was with them. And they had received it and been transformed and were living the Christian life so well. And so we've looked at every aspect of what does it mean to be a Christian. And it's awesome. Last week we looked at you know what would, uh, what would happen. So uh, how we are to live today depends on what we think about how the world began and how the world's going to end. If we know that God created the world and then God will come back to judge the living and the dead, if we know that, if that's true, if that's, because that's what the Bible says, if that's true then that'll affect the way we live today. And so if Jesus were to come back today, we have to say, we better be ready. <laughs> you know, we better be ready for that. And so we talked about that last week. We learned that the, um, the, uh, you know, the end of time will come. It'll be, we know four things about it for sure. We know that it's going to be a, a surprise. Nobody knows when it's going to come. It could be this afternoon. It could be tomorrow. It could be the end of the year. It could be 10 years from now. We don't know. We don't know. That's one thing we know. We know that it's going to be a surprise. So it's, no, I said it that, didn't I? Did I say that right? Surprise. And it's going to be sudden. It's going to be a sudden thing. Like, wow, you know, it's going to be suddenly this irresistible light will replace the light of the sun. There'll be some light that we have never seen before will suddenly take over. There'll be trumpets and angels and Jesus and it'll be all just like in the flash of an eye. We know it's going to be sudden and really like that, you know. Then we know that it's going to separate because it's going to be a judgment, isn't it? And so there's going to be those who live in the light and those who live in the darkness. And so those who live in the darkness will be taken away and those who live in the light will be in the presence of Jesus forever. And so that's what we know about what's going to happen and that has to impact the way we live today. But it doesn't. I don't know about you, but 
so easily you don't think about it, so easily it doesn't become that urgent. And yet every Christian is called to be children of the light. You know, we read that last week in Ephesians something. It's um, Ephesians 5 verse something. It's there if you look it up. And that's what it says, is that, you know, we need to be children of the light, always ready, understanding the time that we're in and knowing that the, the Satan is like a roaring lion looking for people that he can devour. And so we need to be children of the light, living in a relationship with God where he is our strength no matter what happens in our world and where then we can live for his glory so that people will see who he is in us. And so that's what we did last week. And what I thought was that you know, God is really leading us to a place where we need to process that. Because you know what happens in sermons and you know, churches is that we, we have a text and then next week we have another text and next week we have another text. And you don't even get a chance to process it, do you? You've forgotten it as soon as you leave the building and then you don't think about it during the week and it's gone. And then next week I come up with another text and then you go. So I thought this time what we'll do is let's apply the text that we had last week, but focusing on verse 8. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read 1 Thessalonians, verse, uh, chapter 5, the verses, you know, I'll read 1 to 11. Did you put that on, did you, Dave? Or? Yeah, I just put on, you know, I'm, because we're just going to look at verse 8. But, I mean, it doesn't matter. Can I just read it out? It's amazing. It's like a whiz on the machine. <laughs> Don't be, anyway, sorry. He's very good at being humble. We got it? It's good, I can take a breath because, you know, I'm. Right, gun, right. Okay, so 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1. Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you. You know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in the darkness so that the day should surprise you like a thief. You are, a ch you are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. And we, we had, a, I don't know whether you, you liked that, but last week we read that and studied that and that was awesome because what a fantastic passage it is. But what we're going to do is focus on verse 8 and it says, But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. And so the, the most important thing in the whole text, we saw it last week, is that um, you know don't think about what day or time it comes. Just be ready. Be alert. Be sober. Be self-controlled. 
I like that because that's what I need to hear today. This has to be me. I have to be alert. You know, you have to be sober. You know, you need to be understanding the time and you're very responsible for your life and for the people around you. So you need to be alert and you need to be awake, living in the life. And, you know, it's alert. You know, it's, a, it's very important. Isn't it? Like, imagine if you're driving your car and you've got your family in the car and you're driving on a long holiday trip somewhere and you're driving for ages and it's getting late and you're getting tired. How would you feel if you were the dad driving the car or the mum and you were getting very tired and then you fell asleep and crashed the car? Wouldn't that be like horrific that you... Has anyone come close to that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no one else. Oh, it's only... There's just the two of us who did that thing. Yeah, so... Yeah, okay, all right. We're not very open, you people. I'm not... Have I upset you or anything? Are you okay? Right. Uh, so, you know, for me, I've had it. We've been driving along, all the kids in the car. You know, we're going to uh, Stuart, I think, seven hours away. And we're driving along and I'm getting tired. And, and, you know, you start to get... And then the car, you know, micro-sleep. Have you heard of that? And then you see a sign, oh, if you're tired, stop. You know, so then, the, you know, the, the, I started to drift. And then, <gasps> you know, you have this wake-up session. And then you think, oh, my word, you know. I'm responsible for all my family, my family, my people. And I'm driving this car. I need to be alert. So what do you do? You open a window, turn on the music, slap yourself in the face. You know, tell your wife to start talking to you. You keep awake. Pay attention. You know, there's so much going on in your car that, you know, you don't want to lose any of them because you love them. It says be alert. And so that's what we're doing today. You see, we're not just driving a car with our families. We've got families that we are called to be a light to, you see. And so, I, you know, I'm making it about me again, I'm sorry. But I, I um, you know, this, all this stuff that's going on with my life, I'm suddenly, you know, all, I'm rehearsing all the terrible things that I've done as a dad. I'm a terrible dad. I'm, just, oh, I'm a terrible dad. Wow. And so I've been thinking, have I been asleep at the wheel for this situation to end up like this? Have I been a true witness of who Jesus is? Have I shown the joy and the peace and everything that comes from having a relationship with Jesus? Have I been wise and loving and present with my family? And now I say, perhaps I might have been half asleep somewhere to to have this happen to me. And that tells me in this verse, we need to learn to be awake. And so have you got family? Have you got kids? Are your kids young? You know, do you have people that you love? Be alert. Be awake. There's a great responsibility there for you to show, to show them who Jesus is. Just like I could easily condemn myself for all the terrible things that I didn't know, the things that I, what do you mean? The things I should have done that I didn't do. And we all need to learn that, don't we? Be alert. And so now today I'm going, wow, I should have, I should have applied this, you know. 40 years ago. But it's true, isn't it? We need to be alert. There's a need for it because there's so much going on in our world, in our families and all around us. They need to have a people who are awake. There are people who are in the darkness and asleep and they've got no idea about the light and about the help that they're going to get and about the judgment that's coming. And so we need to be alert. It's, it's very important that we are that way. And so, um, you know, 1 Peter 5 verse 8 says, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a lion looking for someone to devour. Peter wrote that, right? Peter, 
You know, the Apostle Peter, remember Peter? Um, you know, he was with Jesus in the garden before he went to the cross. And he said, stand, watch with me, pray with me. Um, this is the worst hour of my entire life. And Peter fell asleep, he fell asleep. Jesus came back and went, ah, oh, you're asleep. You, know, you couldn't stand with me for a few minutes. And then Peter would have remembered Jesus saying that to him. Can you imagine Jesus saying that to you? Like, I asked you to stand with me in the worst time of my life and you're asleep. Jesus is doing that to us today, isn't he? The same way. Peter is saying, oh boy, you need to learn what I learned. You know, be awake because Jesus is looking at you and saying, will you stand with me and be awake and alert, praying for the time so that um, you know my will will be done or that I may have the, the comfort. Jesus is standing there looking at us and saying, will you stay awake and alert so that uh, my work can be done? Well, that's what Peter says, isn't he? And so we need to be aware. We need to be alert. And uh, you know, there's so many areas that we need to be alert about. You see what it says? It says, uh, but since we belong to the day, so we need to be awake and alert, and we need to understand the time, and that we need to uh, practice um, purity in our world, holiness. And so what it is is that you know, when you're alert, you're a child of the light, therefore you can show or demonstrate that light to the world, and that needs to be seen in every aspect of the world. Think of social justice. Do you think of social justice? We don't think very much about social justice. You know why? I mean, it's really interesting why we don't sort of think about the poor. It's because we're comfortable. So we're comfortable. So we don't really want Jesus to come back yet because we, you know, we, you know, how about we get another car first or something else happens? You know, but there are people around the world that are living in absolute poverty and pain and suffering and distress all over the place. And we don't really think about that very much because we're in this little bubble, in this little place in this little time in history where we can be comfortable. Just imagine if you were a slave in Egypt where nobody cared about you at all. You were just a machine to be used, somebody to be abused. Would you be looking forward to God coming to make everything right? Of course you would. Or what if you were an Israelite in Babylon, you know, slavery there again, captured in exile, you had no rights, you had no nothing, you were only dependent on the people that were giving you a few scraps. Would you be looking for the end of time when justice will be done? Of course you would. Imagine if you were in India, living on a in a tip and then just you know getting the scraps of food or earning a bit of money selling cardboard. Would you be looking forward to the end of time when Jesus will make everything right? Of course you would. Or what if you were a woman living in Afghanistan or somewhere where, where you're, you have no rights and you can be oppressed at any time and nothing's wrong with doing that to your wife. Imagine if you were the wife. Would you be looking for the end of time when Jesus would return to make everything right? Of course you would. If you were having a dreadful life in Pakenham where everything was going really bad and you think, well, I don't think life can get any worse, would you be looking for the end of time when Jesus will make everything right? Of course you would. And that's what the word is saying to us, you see. We need to think about social justice. We need to know that we want Jesus to come back to make everything right because there are people all over the world suffering from injustice everywhere. 
And so in the meantime, we're going to do what we can. But you see, we need to be thinking of the end of time when Jesus will make everything right. And so the best thing we can do is to say, let's look at the people who are longing, longing for Jesus to come back. There are people who live in, you know, we know of Amazon, uh, the Amazon jungles, and they are stuck in blood cults and all sorts of horrible things, and they hate that they're scared of the darkness. But when they get the gospel, they go, oh, they're not scared of the dark anymore. You know? Are they looking for Jesus to come back and make everything right? Of course they are. If you started praying and thinking about the life of those who are living in injustice, then you too will be inspired to pray for Jesus to come back to make everything right. You know, um, Tim Keller is a, is a hero of mine, and, and he uh, you know, uh, made the point that, did you know that uh, when, when it comes to justice, we are like this. So, you know, there's, there's a, um, a throne of judgment, um, you know, a justice throne of the world sitting there somewhere. And uh, every time somebody does something against us, we run to that throne and we start doing the judging ourselves. Because at the moment, you see, it looks like there's this throne of judgment, but nobody's judging anyone. There are injustice going all over the world and no one seems to be doing anything. In other words, there's no one on that throne to bring justice to every situation. There's nothing there. And so what we do, as soon as somebody hurts us, we jump on the throne and we start judging. We, you know, are we qualified to judge? So I can say, I can, because, you know, this is what we do, right? So for me, I wanted to jump on that throne of judgment and go, well, <laughs> I've been, you know, I've been unfairly treated. I'm very upset about that. I want justice to come to that person. And so I can easily shrink to the point or get to the point where you want justice. You want revenge. No, ju- no, it's called, you know, no, justice. I want, not revenge. No, no, I want justice, which is revenge. No, it's justice. I want, I want justice because I'm being unfairly treated. I'm not allowed to do that. Because if I get on that throne and start judging other people, I realize that, wow, you know, I can't, I wouldn't even stand under my own judgment. <laughs> you know, I am, I've got problems too. Nobody is qualified to sit on that throne but Jesus. Somebody who is perfect, somebody who is God, somebody who loves, somebody who loves his people. One day, we should be uh, looking for that day when Jesus will appear on that throne and make everything right and bring justice to everyone. And so that's how we should be living today, saying, Lord Jesus, please come to the throne of justice. Bring justice to the world because the world is in such a mess and so many people are in so much trouble. Please come. Is that what you would do? Am I inspiring you to do it? I hope I'm doing something. We need to look to injustice to say we need justice. The only way that this can be fixed is if the kingdom of God would come and the king of that kingdom would come and sit on the throne that judges and makes everything right. Okay, so if we are looking forward to Jesus' return and awake and alert, then we need to think about social justice, but we also need to think about um, personal integrity. Personal integrity. If you live as a child of the light, you need to be a good, uh, you know, a Christian that demonstrates what it's like to be uh, forgiven, set free, and then able to live clearly. So, you know, th- this idea of being a, a person who can, you know, live in personal integrity is really important. 
because people are watching us and they, they need to see us. And so this personal integrity comes when we are put on faith and love as a breastplate. Think about that. Personal integrity comes when you put faith and love as a breastplate. I experienced that just this morning with a new heart. You know, the new heart. I've got a new heart there. God said, you are okay. You are, no matter what's going on, you're okay. You're forgiven. You're restored. You're okay. Now that is amazing. But I have to have faith. Oh, I have to say, yeah, is that true? And then, you know, I can start thinking about, um, you know, what they said. Those words are terrible. They really hurt. They hurt your heart. They hurt your mind. They attack you. And I have to have faith now to know that it's true. I could have thought perhaps I was sleepwalking and that was just a dream and it's just not true. And so I have to say, no, that's true. I have a new heart. This heart is there. It was won by Jesus. You know, it says, clothe, your, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ, which is put on that breastplate who is Jesus. He's given you a new heart. And when you have that new heart, then you can live with integrity. You can live because Jesus is living his life through you, this new heart. You won't hold a grudge. <laughs> You'll be able to forgive people. You'll be honest. Because nothing's more valuable than having Jesus. And when you have a relationship with him, then nothing else really matters. The value of everything else is secondary compared to having what you have. If you believe that, you see, if you really believe that, then you're wearing that, that the breastplate of righteousness or faith or love, and then, you know, see, then you're protected and then you're able and ready to serve others. And that's us. See, that's a Christian. A Christian has been given the breastplate of righteousness or love and faith. It's been given. We have, don't have to earn it. I don't have to you know, get it to, to work. I don't have to fit it on and make sure it's the right size. Or you know, Jesus has made one. It's him. And he's made it perfectly fit. Perfectly fit. It's it's my size. I look really good in. It. Oh yeah, I look pretty good in. Yeah, not in anything else, but in that I look really good. If you could see me, I tell you, <laughs> it's Jesus you're looking at, not me. See? That, that's what it is. Isn't it? So I'm protected, and so because I I have this faith, I believe it, and also I have this love, and I can show this love, then I don't have any room to spend on stupid things that are not. Part of the love. Because I'm a child of light. See, I've got this thing. <laughs> I don't, I don't, why would I worry about the darkness, about getting drunk or about running after all these other experiences or accumulating all this sort of stuff? I don't need to worry about that because none of that is going to help me here. And so then I can demonstrate to the world what it means to live as Jesus would have me live. And they can see it because it's loathed me. And also, you know, the, um, the helmet, it says the Hope of salvation is a helmet. You know, the helmet of salvation. It goes on your head. It protects your mind. Because you know that the battle is in the mind. You know that? The battle is in the mind. That's where it all is. It's, you know, it's what, what happens, what's coming into your mind. Like, have you noticed your thoughts? Have they gone in pretty crazy places? You know, that, that happens. You see? With the helmet of salvation, what you do is you say, I am saved. I have this hope. I am a new person in Christ. 
And when you have that, then you glorify God with your mind. You have a renewal of your mind and the word of God enters into your mind and then as that happens, what happens is that it doesn't have any room for evil or darkness. I want you to test this out. I mean, it's true, it's amazing. So what happens is something comes in and you go, wow, you know, I really like pornography. And then you go, hang on a minute, there's no room for that. That's rubbish. That's crazy. Or, um, boy, I'd really like to have a new car. And you go, hang on a minute, no, that, that doesn't come from my, you know, heart that's, uh, my head, sorry, that uh, is renewed. I have salvation. I have all that I need in him. Or, or I really find that person attractive. Or, you know, all those sorts of things keep coming in, you see. You know, ads on TV, it comes through the radio or wherever you hear. It's coming all the time into the head, into the head, into the head. You need this. You have to have that. You won't be happy until everyone knows. And then, but, but in the head, you see, when it's full of salvation, when it's full of God's presence and love and grace, then there's no room for that sort of stuff. I love that. I, you know, we've got there like this, um, I don't know, like it's like a, a sewer drain, like a drain. And it sort of comes into the head and it goes out the sewer. That's rubbish. Rubbish. Let's stick with who we are and the hope we have. Am I rambling? Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm, I could go for What time is it? Yeah, good. All right. Um, I am rambling. But anyway, but is everyone okay? Um, see, I'm preaching to myself, right? So, you know, sorry about it if you had any plans for today, but this is all, this is all about me, right? All right, good. So what do I say now? Uh, okay, well, um, all right, Richard, you've been rambling on enough. Uh, how do we do this? Do you want to know how to do it? Does anyone want this? You want the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness, which is faith and love, which demonstrates who you are to the rest of the world, and you can endure even the pains that I have experienced. Uh, well, what you do is you start to build faith. Start to build faith. How do you build faith apart from receiving the word of God? See? So if you want to build faith, what you do is you have these verses of Scripture that are promises of God. You know, I had the promises of God come to me overwhelmingly this morning, and I just want to rejoice in that. But if you haven't had it recently, study the Word of God. Have you noticed what God says to you if you belong to Him? What does He say? Well, let's have a read. Philippians 4 verse 19, I will supply your needs according to my riches in glory in Christ Jesus. I will supply your needs according to the riches in glory in Christ Jesus. You know, that just builds faith, right? That is the God of the universe telling me that he's going to provide what I need to get through this silly time. And I go, Psalm 23, verse 6, I will pursue you with goodness and mercy. I will pursue God, God chasing me. And I'm going, uh, I'm God is chasing me and will pursue me no matter how you know rebellious or whatever I do. He's, because he loves me. He's gonna he's gonna get me. What do you do about that? What does that do? That just that just fills your heart with joy, doesn't it? And then um, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Oh I know, this is mine, this is mine, I'm getting it. I wish I could remember. You know, I'm not really good at memorizing. Are you good at memorizing? I have to get better at it. I think I need to practice more because I, you know, I think, oh yes, that's a great scripture. Where is it? Oh, I don't know. 
right? Google search. You know, my, my long-term memory isn't so good. So, but anyway, but I want this to stick there. What can man do to me? What can my, you know, family members do to me? What can my friends do to me? You know, what can, what can the world do to, what can, I was going to say the Premier of the state, do to me? You know, what, what can, what can be done to me? God has me and he loves me. And when you have that, then it's going, oh, this, 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 this is fitting well. This, this breastplate of righteousness is fitting well. Um, if you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. I can bear fruit. Even I can bear fruit. Isn't that amazing? What a sort of a promise is that? Well, anyway, uh, do you want me to keep going? Or shall I stop because I'm going too long? Please stop. Be honest. Come on. All right, then. Okay, well, uh, I've got a few more. Uh, so wait on me and you will renew your strength. You will mount on wings like eagles. You will run and not grow weary. You will walk and not be faint. I wanted. To, I was weary this morning, and you know I've been weary from the week. But you know, when you have that, you say, "Actually, I've got a renewal of strength that doesn't come from me." And isn't it all? That's faith. Isn't it? That's when that starts to build. Then what it does is it it, it it you know helps you to have this breastplate of righteousness, and it fills your brain with God and the love of self and the salvation that He gives you. Oh, amazing! And then. Um, I will give you wisdom in every new challenge. James 1 verse 5. I will give you wisdom in every new challenge. I was waiting for that wisdom and I don't think I got much wisdom. I don't think I was really wise about it. But I'm going to, I should have read this earlier. But I'm going to wait on God to give me wisdom before I say something. Isn't that great? So we've got a God who actually will give us wisdom before, so we don't have to upset people. Isn't that amazing? And then um, I'll just, one more, one more. So I will be with you and strengthen you and help you. I will be with you and help you and strengthen you. And so if I'm not feeling any of these happening to me, if I'm not feeling loved and provided for and secure and pursued, if I'm not feeling any of that, what am I doing? What am I doing? What am I doing? What, what shall I do? So if, if none of this is working, if I'm saying, well, yeah, it sounds good, but it's not working, I say, lean. Aha, oh, uh-huh. which is not faith, <laughs> right, isn't it? That's faith in yourself. Oh, right, see? See? Oh, Leslie? <laughs> You're relying on your own self, you see. So, and I'm saying, what you do then is you put faith in yourself, and that doesn't work, right? I, you know, I'll give you from my experience: faith in yourself doesn't work. <laughs> I've said it. I know it's shocking to everyone, but if you have faith in God, you have everything, and and that's what we need to learn. And as we learn that, as we grow in that, see, that's what. Faith happens, the helmet of salvation fixes our brains, we fix our minds and hearts on the things above, and then we're a new person living in the light, and then when we live in the light, then people will look at us and go, I want that, I want that. They're not striving, they're not grieving, they're not on their back on the ground, they're actually standing firm, not because of what they're doing, but because of the strength that must be coming from within. See, we want people to see that and go, wow, that's awesome. 
I'm going to stop talking. Yeah? And uh, anyway, so do I need? Um, uh, yes, I think I. I feel good about that. I, I think you know. I think I, I really do. I really think that um, you know God is saying, no, don't stay at home and just you know sit on the couch and watch Netflix. Just okay. Trust in me. Stand up and preach. Say the word of God and be vulnerable. And I think this is the best time ever. And I think I'm the most qualified uh, person to be preaching today because I'm the weakest and the most hurt and the most broken. And I hope that's encouraging to you because you're, you're probably not as broken as I am. And you can have this strength for yourself. If it works in me, then you can have it. And so what we're going to do now is the Lord's Supper, you see, which I can't believe it. Like today, of all days, I thought, oh, I have to do Because I was thinking perhaps I shouldn't do the Lord's Supper, okay? because I've got somebody with something against me. I've done all that I can, and I can't resolve the issue, and I've left it with them. They're not going to talk to me again. So, you know, I'm just going to pray for them every day. And then God says, yes, you can celebrate the Lord's Supper today, because I've got you, because you're with me. And so what we need to say then ourselves is if you want to come to this Lord's Supper and join in this, what you need to be saying is that I'm not going to put faith in myself. I'm not going to trust myself. I'm going to receive what Jesus has for me. I'm going to put on that breastplate of righteousness. I'm going to have that faith and that love. I'm going to put that helmet on, and I'm going to have that salvation that fills my head with glory and joy, and I'm going to receive it again and again. Jesus shows us in the Lord's Supper that he gave his life to save us so that we can have what we have in him. And so what we've heard today, uh, we can receive truly. And so when we participate in the Lord's Supper, what you do when you receive it, you're receiving him in some physical, symbolic way, but in a way that really means that you're receiving really Jesus so that you may then receive the, the clothing that he has. Okay. So uh, let's pray. Um, as we start. So Father God, we just want to thank you that we can be here uh, this morning. Uh, we thank you that we can, um, we can hear your word. And your word is living and it's active and it's true. That we live in a world that is full of pain and suffering and struggle and injustice. And Lord, we pray that you'll help us to receive you today so that we may become more of the people that you call us to be that will be awake, understanding the time, full of your presence and glory and wisdom, that we may be people of integrity, that will um, you know, repent and renew every day so that we may do what is right, so that people may see us as people who live rightly, rightly with God and rightly with others. Lord, we pray that you'll so move in this uh, time that we have at the Lord's Supper that we may receive this that we may be your people and that, Lord, you may be our God and that you may build faith in us as we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.